get you fixed up here once again. Welcome to the Sens Nation podcast, everybody. Brought to you by DunRobinDistilleries.com. This is a bonus episode for those of you who don't listen to my other podcast, the SWP. On that show this week, Greg Kennedy was a guest co-host. He and I broke down the Sens news of the week, the re-signing of their head coach. They get Michael Delzato and free agency, and they very effectively unloaded a contract that's way too expensive. Thanks for being with us. Hope you enjoy the show. Podcasting to Ottawa Senator fans around the world. world. It's the Sins Nation Podcast. Yeah, it is. Welcome to the show, everybody. Boy, free agency was crazy this week. It definitely lived up to the free agent frenzy nickname, didn't it, Greg? Oh, it was beautiful. I, I was. We were just talking before we turned on the tape recorder there, Steve. Or I probably shouldn't say tape recorder. I just aged myself, didn't I? <laughs> anyway, but I I watched the whole thing on TSN. I I, I watch uh, sports uh, pretty much all the time, but rarely do I watch it live. I watch everything via PVR. So I turned on the the TSN feed around an hour into it. And then I can go through all the commercials. And by the time it caught up that I was live, I switched over because I was recording the Rogers feed, too. I just I, I can't get enough of it. I loved every minute of it. It was a great day. Well, and the Sens were active. They, uh, you know, they got their coach re-signed. They made a big deal. They signed a defenseman and a few ex-senators are on the move. So it had everything for Sens fans. Let me ask you a big picture, though. We'll. Because uh, I want to make sure I'm hitting the biggest story in your mind. Like when you watched these many hours of the NHL free agent frenzy, what grabbed you the most? What's your big takeaway? My God, the goalies moved around a lot. Could you imagine what the flow chart must look like if you wanted to drop all the goalies moving all around the NHL? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was surprised that uh, biggest surprise was that nothing happened with Eichel. I was surprised by Philip Grubauer and honestly have no idea what that man is thinking. Uh, a little surprised by uh, Seattle signing Grubauer when they, why did they bother to take uh, Vanacek or Vanatek, the goalie that they took in the, why they take him uh, as a second goalie? I don't understand. And Joey Decord sure gets bumped down the old depth chart. Yeah. Joey's now, uh, well, I, I assume they're going to work on a trade. Um, I was I was uh, pleased, I guess, with Ottawa. I, I'm a little disappointed with the number of defensemen that I kept seeing getting signed elsewhere that I had on my list as potential targets. Um, really, the, the Mike Hoffman signing really threw me for a loop. I don't understand that one. Um, but it, no, hang on, I was looking for a highlight. You've given oh, me highlight. about half a dozen different things. <laughs> uh, the whole show is going to be uh, just sort of laid there, there in the table. You know? Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No, it's great. It's, uh, there's certainly lots of uh, top stories. So when I I caught you off guard with that one, and uh, yeah, there's there's at least a dozen amazing stories that came out of the uh, deadline. We're never going to get to them all, but like not not sure we are. Get. Yeah, we might get to it all. It's possible, but uh, I'm I'm sure. I mean, I'm looking at the list right now, and it just seems to be countless numbers. And, and and when you compare it to last year, we were talking about this a bit on, off the air. Uh, I was looking at Cap Friendly this afternoon, and they put out a stat at the two-hour mark. The difference between this year and last is night and day. So in 2020 last year, there were 22 contracts signed in the first two hours. This year, 60. In the first two hours, there are $94 million in contract dollars changing hands. This year, $405 million 
Like, didn't we just go through COVID with no fans? And I kind of thought people might buckle down, but it's, you know, they're making it rain out here. Well, but it does compare to past years. Skip, skip last season with the, with the COVID. It, it, it was comparable. Um, and, and I mean, you had some biggies in there today. Some other years you might've had less numbers, but you had some big, ridiculous deals um, this year. Big wise, I, I guess you could say, obviously the Hamilton deal is a big deal. Philip Deneau is probably one of your top two or three biggest deals today as far as dollar amount going. Who would have predicted that? But uh, no, I, I think it's closer to a normal year. It's I, I, I assume the NHL figures COVID's right back. It's behind them. They're past it. They're moving on. I guess so. Well, let's jump into what the Sens did. And they made a big deal. Very unexpected. I thought Yevgeny Dadnov was now an Ottawa senator to stay. You know, the best opportunity probably would be that he gets uh, scooped up by an expansion club in the Seattle Kraken. Well, he gets scooped up by an expansion club. Only it was the Vegas Golden Knights who pulled off a trade with the Sens today. And Dadnov ends up with Vegas. Ottawa ends up with a left shot D, Nick Holden. He's a veteran, big guy, six foot four, and a healthy scratch at times this year. Good in the playoffs, though. And they also, the Sens do, get a third round pick in the 2022 NHL draft. Maybe your reaction on that deal. Well, my first reaction was, holy smokes, they got rid of Big Daddy's contract. I mean, this is a guy who came in here, uh, and we all lauded it. We thought it was a great deal, you know, a good good hockey player. He's going to score some goals, going to help the power play, yada, yada, yada. And at $5 million, three years seemed reasonable. Uh, but let's face it, as the season went on, uh, what was it, one assist in his entire season on the power play? Yeah. And other than the one game against the Leafs that you loved, Loved really it. didn't do a hell of a lot. And by the end of the season was your third line right winger to get rid of that, to get rid of your third line right winger and $5 million contract and not have to eat any of the salary. Uh, that's, that's incredible. I, I I'm shocked by that. I honestly think even though I agree with everything you say, I think it's a win win. And we've discussed Dadnov at length at the kind of player he is um, in that he's not a driver of the offense he is a nice complimentary piece if you're relying on him to be the driver on either of your top two lines we learned this year that's a mistake but in florida when he has line mates and he's a complimentary piece he's just fine 70 point seasons in there he's capable of of that kind of production if he is surrounded with excellence and i think vegas is able to provide him with that everybody who's potentially excellent in ottawa is still just too young and so I think it works out for both clubs. I agree with everything you just said, uh, but I think Vegas probably at the end of the day, I think they'll like that pickup. And uh, and it ends up being kind of Marc-Andre Fleury for Dadnov. His and money for Dadnov. $7 million on uh, Fleury, $5 million for Dadnov. So basically Dadnov's picking up all Fleury's money. And at the end of the day, is are, are Vegas keeping him? <laughs> that, that was a question that came up immediately uh, with all their cap problems and their interest in other players that were out there, including Jack Eichel. How are they going to make that work? It just, it, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it either be Smith or Marsha show sent out. Cause I don't think anybody's going to take Dadnov off their hands, right. but I can see Vegas making a deal. They don't have anybody left. They traded all their draft picks. They traded all their, uh, Suzuki's gone. Glass is gone. Like their 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 better uh, prospects are gone. So if they're making a deal for Eichel, it's going to have to be a player. 
And I'm, I'm looking at Jonathan Marsh's show. I'm looking at uh, Riley Smith and thinking one of these guys has got to go probably if they're going to get Eichel. And maybe that's why they've, they've acquired Dadnov to replace whoever it is they're going to ship out to get Eichel. With Dadnov gone and we look at what happened here, um, people always say the same thing. Okay, there's a $5 million a year player and he is not worth that. Well, the Sens actually only had to pay him $3.5 million in actual real-term dollars. It's $5 million as far as a cap hit these next two years. And it almost looks, when you look at the numbers salary-wise, Greg, you almost say to yourself, did Pierre Dorian have this up his sleeve all along when you see $3.5 million in the first year? We've talked at length about placeholders and such. Maybe he regarded Dadnov as one of those guys as well because it's $5 million for the coming year and $6.5 million the year after the Sens are out from beneath that. So maybe there was method to Pierre Dorian's madness just in the way that was structured. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that, Steve. That's a interesting way to look at things. I, I, I don't know. Do you really think they would have done that? They, they thought of it that way, that down the road, you know, maybe it was a, it was kind of like a show me deal. We'll give you three and a half now. And if we like you, we'll keep you. And if we don't, you know, we can buy it out or, or we can, we can move them along. That's interesting thought. I, I don't know that you'll ever get the truth, but that would have been a real smart thing to do, wouldn't it? And he, and he can, he could just walk along now acting as though he did it that way all along and, and we'll consider him a genius, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, at $3.5 million, you think about that number now for the cost of $3.5 million, you had a season of Yevgeny Dadnov. Uh, not that that was any great shakes, but again, like you said, we'll always have the Leafs. It was five <laughs> to one, ladies and gentlemen, what a comeback. And Dadnov was part, a big part of the architecture of that. And then you think, okay, for three and a half million, you have a year of Dadnov, you have a third-round draft pet pick, and now you have Nick Holden. And let's turn our attention toward Nick Holden. Uh, that was a guy that missed a lot of games. He ended up on the taxi squad this year with Vegas quite a bit. He is a veteran of over 500 NHL games. Um, he's kind of moving into his mid-30s now. Big guy, but that healthy scratch thing certainly is pause for thought. But he did play very well in the playoffs and was uh, putting up big minutes there. So uh, what say you about Nick Holden? I think it's great. I don't have a problem with it at all. I um yeah, he he was down to third pairing and 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 even taxi squad at times, but that was more a case of being on a really good team with some really good players. Like he was in their second pair to start the season. Uh, the when did they get Martinez? He was he was right there Deadline, in the yeah, yeah, in the second pairing and doing just fine. When uh, Martinez arrived, he gets bumped from uh from second pair to third pair. And his, his minutes dropped like from 19 to 17 or something. Um, and, and then he gets put with, uh, with uh, is it Zach uh, White Cloud? He gets put with White Cloud and basically turns White Cloud into a hockey player. And, and so, okay, when the time comes and, and, and it's, uh, we want to look at young kids, we want to see other players play. He, he maybe didn't play as much, but come playoff time, he was there. The guy's a solid NHL pro. He knows how to act. He, he knows how to do things around the rink, away from the rink. Um, he, he gets it, and he's going to be a great influence on these players. I, I, I read a quote from Pete DeBoer. He's a great pro. He's a great dressing room guy. He has great leadership, and he's great for the young players. So, hey, apparently he's great. Nothing nothing wrong with grabbing that guy. Yeah, and it's another left-shot defenseman in the mix, and uh, you've also got uh, Michael Delzato. Uh, there's bigger stories than Michael Delzato, but this just seems to flow uh, Delzato comes in and uh, signs with the Senators. What was it? A two-year deal for not too much money. Yeah, I know. Uh, it, one, two and, million. 
yeah, and 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 fine. Like he, he, you've got two left shot D's here. Okay, so you're looking at the the two headed monster of Mete Branstrom, who who are almost the exact same player. Is Branstrom really ready? Will he ever be ready? What's Mete going to give you? Who knows? You, you've brought in these two left shot guys, um, veteran presence on your third pair, who are gonna who are gonna be there for you and, and be there to help. Uh, with the young kids too and, and and eat up minutes and will be far more effective than a couple of the guys they brought in on the blue line last year. Talked to a scout today about Delzato and uh, he said that uh, the guys really changed the way he plays. Uh, probably that veteran um, stopgap. What's the expression we use? Placeholder. Yeah. Um, he said uh, back in the day he was an offensive rushing defenseman, very risky, but he isn't like that anymore was very confident as a young guy and brash. Sean Avery was funny keeping him in line. And uh, anyway, so there's a little background on Delzato, and he's kind of changed his stripes. And and if you think of him in his early days as being a guy who liked to rush with the puck, he's not that any longer. Well, no, he he learned. He's learned patience uh, as a veteran in the league, right? He can run a power play. Uh, John Tortorella famously once said, you know, he doesn't have a really good shot, but he sees the ice very well. And, and having played for Tortorella twice, he played for him in New York, he played for him in, in uh, Columbus, he, he obviously must know how to block shots. He knows how to play defense and play the right way to play a system and stick to a system. Um, so, so you add all that into his game, and yes, he was brash and flashy and a puck carrier when he started. So he, he, you know, he would have wanted to be a guy to want to rush the puck. But uh, it, to me, he's, he's a serious option quarterback a second power play he's a, he's an upgrade over mike riley in your second power play that's for sure and again he brings all that veteran stuff knows how to play the game how to carry himself uh i'm happy with the signing i think it's pretty good mike riley by the way uh re-signed i think in boston it was yeah. three years nine million dollars i was like okay fill your boots felt the same way with cody cc's big deal with the oilers about the same thing i think it was uh might have been a four-year deal worth three million and change I just, wow, the, the the money that was going out the door today. But one last thought on the defenseman. Yeah. Uh, once the Sens sign Victor Mete, they're going to have seven defensemen on one-way deals. And Brandstrom, Bernard Docker, uh, Lassie Thompson, all first-rounders, they are not among them. Brandstrom is the biggest name. You alluded to him a moment ago. Uh, he is on a two-way deal, and he is waivers exempt. So all of a sudden, it looks like Brandstrom maybe starting the year and uh, playing most of the year in Belleville, just given on given what's happening at the NHL level. And certainly Brandstrom, I mean, he just hasn't done enough yet to, you know, to go into camp being guaranteed anything. No, he hasn't come close to doing anywhere near enough. Like, yeah, the, the plan for this past season pre COVID was that he was probably going to play at least the first half, if not the entire season in, uh, in Belleville. So, okay, let's put him down there in Belleville overripe rather than under what is it developed yeah overripe rather than underdeveloped it's it it makes sense put Branstrom down there keep Mete here he's a couple years older he's he he, he, between he and Holden and Delzato you've got a three-headed monster there rotating around as your your left D and your third pair all right changing gears to the coaching side of things for a moment we had lots more player talk to come but the Sens have come up with a two-year extension for their head coach, DJ Smith. Smith is two years into his rookie tenure as a coach in the league, and uh, he gets a two-year extension with a club option for another. I saw Pierre Lebrun saying it was around $1.2 million. The 
that uh, he was going to be making per season. Good choice well, good for him. I, I didn't know the dollar amount. Yeah. One point two million a year. Yep. As the head coach, of the Ottawa Senators. That's not bad, eh? Not bad at all. Not. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have ever thought that uh, Eugene Melnick would go beyond a million, but here we are. Yeah. I guess my my, my thought is. I thought they were putting off giving him the new deal because they were going to wait and see what would happen in the first three, four months of this season to see if the team was going to continue to to rise and get better and develop because we, we really have no idea it, it, whether DJ Smith can coach a, a team that's not a young developing team, right? Like what's he going to be like when he's got a team with some expectations in front of him? So I thought they were going to wait maybe a few months and then give him the new deal. But having watched the draft and let's face it, a lot of those picks were probably DJ Smith type players. If we can say that character guys, quality players, hardworking, hard nosed, whatever, a bunch of Connor Browns with size um, that kind of told you, Oh, maybe they are going to keep DJ Smith around. So Bob's your uncle. He gets 1.2 million for another two years. Yeah. I mean, the ammo of this organization always seems to be, let's wait and see. And they had the opportunity to do that because let's be honest, uh, he won 48 games out of 127 so far. Think about that. 48 wins out of 127 games, and almost everybody's going, yeah, I like this. This is great. I'm, I'm, <laughs> wow, really? Okay. Um, that Certainly that last month was, I mean, everybody was excited about that, but it was also in silly time. It was no pressure hockey. Uh, they were out there. They were out of it. They could just play free. Let's see what it looks like when, they suddenly have a target on their back. Maybe not a target, but they're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. People know the Ottawa Senators of a good, ascending young team. And so they're going to come ready to play the Sens every night. So what if the Sens get off to a, a really, really bad start once again like they did last year? Uh, then all of a sudden you've got all this, uh, all this time left on this contract. The good news is it's Eugene Melnick's money. It doesn't affect anything. Uh, but if I'm Eugene Melnick or if I'm... Uh, trying to predict what Eugene Melnick might do. I am very surprised that he didn't wait it out till Christmas and say, if things go well, then you get this extension. But I want to see what it looks like when we're playing for real. Yep, I agree fully. Uh, just strange, strange. I, I Like I just finished saying, and you've now reiterated, I yeah. think we're both on the same page. We both figured it was going to be a wait and see before there was an extension. But it's done now, so... Who knows? Maybe maybe uh, new Pierre, Pierre too, had something to do with it. Maybe he loves them and, and sold them on it and convinced them of it. I, I, I don't know, but but he's there. He's done uh, this season, plus two more and an option for another one after that. Now we look back, and sorry if I, if I went over covered ground there, but uh, <laughs> if we look back now and look at the Jack Capuano thing, how Ottawa said to Buffalo, no, no, you can't talk to him to be maybe their head, next head coach. You can't even interview him. That was always everybody thought immediately. So, well, there's your uh, there's your plan B. Well, they, they clearly feel fantastic about DJ Smith. So that theory's kind of out the window, isn't it? Yeah. So okay, then maybe it is the the statement at the time they said was no, we don't allow anybody to talk to anybody. Right. Right. That it sort of they they it came out of nowhere. We we all had no idea that this was now the team uh, philosophy, uh, but. But maybe that is the team philosophy now. They're, they're, he's gone down the Lou Lamarillo road, and you don't get to talk to any of my people. Some former senators on the move. For yeah. starters, Ryan Dezingle gets a one-year deal worth about just over a million dollars with the Arizona Coyotes. 
part of me thinks he'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Dezingle always comes back. Um, but uh, I'm glad to see he found a gig because I wasn't sure exactly what his status was around the NHL because unless Ryan Dezingle is playing for the Sens, it doesn't seem like uh, he's got a lot of mojo going on. Yeah, I, I, good for him, right? Like it's sort of the same thing as Dadnov, except a little cheaper. He's a guy who moved down the lineup and found himself replaced. Everything he brings is what Alex Formanton brings, and Alex Formanton is cheaper and uh, and younger. Mm-hmm. So off he goes again. And uh, we've joked about this before. Every time they trade him away or get him back, they seem to they get better. They, they, every deal has the the take for Ottawa has been better every time. So who knows what happens next time they acquire him? I'm thinking probably by the trade deadline they'll they'll bring him back. But can you remember? It wasn't all that long ago when the talk was just sign him, give him the five times five that he wants. Remember that back in the Duchesne, Stone, and Dezingle days when it's who's going to resign, who's not going to resign. Give Dezingle five times five. Thank God that didn't happen. Wow, I do not remember it being that big a number, but I do remember the excitement level about Ryan Dezingle because, you know, he's, when he got traded, um, just before he became a UFA, ended up going to Columbus initially. They didn't keep him around very long. He ended up with the Canes after that. But, um, I mean, people were pretty excited, and uh, he was hovering around 25 goals. And, and, yeah, we were hearing big numbers, though I didn't hear five, I don't think. And if I maybe, did hear Maybe it, it was five that. times four? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, all I know, it was uh, everybody's excited about him. And had you signed him to a five-year contract, I mean, really, for anything north of $3 million, God, you'd be regretting it big time right now. Yeah, yeah. And you've got Anthony Duclair, right, and two second-round picks. You did all right. Yep, ended up being pretty, pretty good. Right. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about what Who Montreal, else? Montreal, picking up ex-senators left and right. They got Mike, <laughs> Mike Hoffman, for one. He got a three-year deal worth $13.5 million. And then you also got Chris Weidman re-entering the NHL fray. I was glad to see that, to be honest, because I always thought that Uber thing, as we talked about in a recent episode, was dumb. And he really shouldn't have, you know, really had to deal with as much as he did. Though I don't think his career was destroyed by Uber. Certainly that, uh, that expedited his exit from Ottawa. Anyway, he gets a one-year deal with $750,000 after being the KHL's defenseman of the year. He's a good guy. Uh, I'm glad to see him back in the league. But uh, on top of that, David Savard also signs on with the Montreal Canadiens after winning a Stanley Cup this year. What do you think what the Habs did? Well, I was... uh disappointed in Savard because I thought that might be a target for the Senators. It, it probably was a target. I thought there was a good fit there. He apparently trains with and is good buddies with Thomas Shabbat. So it would have been nice to see him come in here and, and basically take over the partner role with Shabbat. Uh, so that was disappointing. Um, as to Hoffman and Weidman, it's almost as though the two of them combined can maybe sort of kind of help you replace Shea Weber. Actually, the three of them combined, you add, you add Savard to it. Savard's going to bring the toughness and the physicality and the net front presence of of uh, Weber. Weidman's going to bring a little bit of the power play quarterbacking of a Weber. And Hoffman's going to bring you the one-timer on the power play of a Weber. So they they basically found three guys for less money, probably combined, the three of them are going to replace Shea Weber. I forgot one of the ex-senators that also Montreal signed. That is... If you listen carefully, you can hear Cedric Paquette's music walking into the Bell Center. 
Uh, Cedric Paquette signs on with the Montreal Canadiens too. He gets a $950,000 deal, a one-year gig. And uh, yeah, so the Sens yeah, good for you. are all so over the Habs right now. Okay, but here's here's a Hab think thought for you, Stevie. All right. Who's going to play center now? Like maybe the Habs need a third-line center now? If you think Suzuki and KK can jump up and be one and two, mm-hmm. who's going to be their third-line center? They've lost uh, Deneau. Do you think maybe they're looking for a third-line center who's a good, solid pro who can play both ends of the ice, kill penalties, win face-offs, and makes like a little under $4 million? Sounds you know like Chris Tierney. Yeah, that's the guy. Maybe there's a deal to be had there. I, are you a believer in the try as best you can to not trade within your division? Does that is that just old school? Uh, well, yeah, that, that's the only thing working against us here. Well, that and the fact that there's probably about 4,200 guys who are quicker and might be cheaper available than a Chris Tierney. Right. But you never know. You never know. Maybe maybe there's a, maybe there's a fit there. <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly think that trading in your own division only applies to stars. I don't think Good any point. senator or any Sens fan is going to be like, oh, no, we got to play Chris Tierney tonight. He's going to get us. <laughs> I don't think yeah. so. I don't think so. Well, I got another question for you. I was listening to, um, it was uh, Mike Johnston on the TSN broadcast. You've got Toffoli and Caulfield. Mm-hmm. You've got Drew and Gallagher. And you've got Armia and Anderson. Those are your first, second, and third line wingers with the Montreal Canadiens. Right. Where's Mike Hoffman fit in? Hmm. Power play specialist, I guess. Yeah. Like, okay, Mikey, Hoff, you're at the end of the bench and we got to, we'll call you for the PP and the shootout, pal. But you're paying them, what was it? It's over three mil. It's, or no, it's four, isn't it? You're paying them like $4 million. Um, somebody's got to go in Montreal. It's four and a half. I was two and a half, three and a half? Four and a half. Four and a half. Holy smokes. Somebody's got to go in Montreal. Is that going to be a Drouin? Maybe. Yeah. Depending on what his issue was, if Drouin was away from the team for something where you have great sympathy for, then he'd be welcomed with open arms. But if he's being, if he's heading back to the team where everybody's raising an eyebrow and going, huh, yeah, then there might be a different spin on things. So right. It's well, hard to was, know. The, was the official word personal reasons or was it the official word mental health reasons? I don't remember, to be honest. I don't, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it was something very nondescript. If you thought Bobby Ryan leaving the Ottawa Senators was nondescript, okay. we learned later that it was an issue with alcohol. But uh, no, uh, it was nondescript for Jonathan Drouin at the time. He parted company with the team. And now that he's back with the team, I still haven't heard anything more specific than that. I was talking to Eric Macramala. And yep. uh, he said that he had he knows exactly what the issue was, but he wouldn't give me anything on it, uh, yep. sworn to secrecy, I guess. But uh, so it's out there, and I'm sure everybody in that organization knows. And uh, so it's hard for us to speculate here on a podcast. Well, but the the to back to the original point of Hoffman there, and where is he going to play? It makes you look at some of these things, and the other bigger case that I'll get to in a second. But it makes you look at some of these situations, think. What was your long-term plan? Yeah. You you signed Joel Armia, re-signed him yesterday, and now you signed, giving you essentially your top six wingers all back again. And then today you signed Mike Hoffman. So what's your long-term plan? Or you're the Seattle Kraken. You go into an expansion draft. You take uh, Chris Drieger, 
you you fly him out there, you give him a jersey, you introduce him as, oh, look, we got Chris Drieger, you sign him, you go look at Washington in your expansion draft and you take, what's the guy's name? I can't, I always want to, I get him screwed up with Wojtek Wojcicki, but the, the goalie out of, uh, out of Washington, when you could have taken Dylan, the defenseman, and then you turn around and sign Grubauer. Like, what was your long-term plan? I just, some of these things just throw me for a loop sometimes. Can I submit this? If you drafted Logan Mayu with your first-round draft pick, <laughs> I don't think you have a lot of foresight or planning. That's my feel on it. Maybe maybe I can just throw that into the mix, and maybe this was yeah, just something they did. They they like the player, they bring him in, and then they go at training camp. Damn, we have a lot of wingers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll need – you know what? I need a, I need a have fan to explain it to me. Or, yeah. or there's another shoe still to drop here, right? I That's agree. No, I, I'm only kidding about uh, that that angle in terms yeah, of. I'm sure. I'm sure there's absolutely a plan here that they've got something up their sleeve. Maybe it's Drew M. Maybe it's one of the other wingers that they just say, okay, yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and take Hoffman because it's every. Uh, it, it's totally in our wheelhouse here. Maybe even in the next week or so to get rid of somebody and uh, and make room. So yeah, we shall see. Um, Cody Cece signing on with the Edmonton Oilers. That is another. Ottawa Senator who has a, a new gig, and I, I don't understand that, as I mentioned earlier in the show, but uh, here we are. But one last thought on the Canadians. Phil Deneau getting a King's ransom from the L.A. Kings. You alluded to it earlier, but uh, I, 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 I just don't get it. I mean, the guy, whether you talk regular season or playoffs, the guy just doesn't have the point production to, to warrant the deal that he signed to, like, five years was it five years or six years? And he was one of the two at five and a half million dollars per year to play for the L.A. Kings. He had four points in 22 playoff games, Greg. Now he's immaculate defensively as a centerman. And there's value in that. And then in the regular season, he had something like 20-something points in 53 games, roughly speaking. But you may be a great defensive centerman, fine. But you gotta come. You gotta come to the table with more offense than that, and he just does not, and hasn't lately. Well, apparently, apparently, I, I have to check with my uh, my new world, newfangled stats guy. But apparently, five on five stats production, whatever it is, goals, assists, plus shots, plus whatever, he is in the top twenty in the NHL in the last uh, prior to this season was one of the top uh, 20 players in the NHL in producing offense at five on five. He just had a down year. Okay, fine. But I still don't see him as anything more than a third line center. And at third line center, you're now making more, more than J.G. Paggio. Madness. Yeah. And we thought J.G. Paggio, or I thought J.G. Paggio at his five million a year was too much. Wow. And then you've got this guy like that. It's ridiculous. I, I know he was going to get that money somewhere else. I get it. I understand somebody's going to pay it to him, but I wouldn't have given him more than four or four and a half. Yeah, I, I just feel like you can, and maybe it was an anomaly, and maybe he bounces right back to being that 40 or 50-point score that he has been in the past, but I don't know. When it uh, when a guy hits yeah. 28 and you you have to sign him up, it is six years, by the way, at $5.5 million. When you have God. to sign him up that long, Scary. I just – it is scary, and and just the eyeball test. I I did not see a guy that was uh, threatening on every shift and just had all this hard luck. Watched a lot of hab games in the playoffs. He, he wasn't ab an absence of chances. Like he just, um, 
but there just wasn't enough where I say, oh yeah, five and a half mil all day long. You don't even want to talk three and a half. Then I can get my head around that for a defensive center. But sorry, that's uh, that's something yep. that the LA Kings are going to regret with uh, maybe not the same level of not taking Tim Stutzla and going ahead and <laughs> taking the other guy whose name escapes and, me right now. <laughs> LA's got a, a Byfeld. LA's yeah, got a bit of it. a log jam now at center ice, but they're young, right? right. They've got Byfeld. They've got uh, Turcotte. They've got Velarde. Um, so I, I don't know, but it just, uh, that, that contract is not going to age well for the LA Kings. Let's put it that way. Want some trivia? Sure. I'm ready. Yeah. It, it's, it's totally random and it'll be, he was a first it. round draft choice of the Chicago Blackhawks. Is that your trivia? I knew that. Nope. Okay. Totally nope. random. Uh, totally changing gears with the topic. <laughs> okay. uh, I learned this. I learned this from an interview with uh, Brian Boucher. I saw. And uh, what three-time Stanley Cup champion billeted Tyler Boucher, Ottawa's first-round draft pick last year? Oh, I knew this. I knew this. I now read keep that. in mind, he was, resi- he was residing in Detroit. Yes, I did read this somewhere. Uh, it's not Chris, Chris Draper? Not Chris Draper. No, it is a I Red Wing. Somewhere. Oh, Chris Osgood. There no? you go. It's a Chris. Yeah. Okay. All right, that'll do it for another episode of the Sens Nation podcast. Don't forget our website is sensnationhockey.com. Greg, we probably have some uh, more interesting stuff coming in the next few days. It's not like a trade deadline day where it is over at uh, you know 3 p.m. or whatever it is. Um, free, agents, uh, free agent frenzy is likely to continue for at least another day, so we'll see how it all goes. But uh, great job as always, and we'll uh, talk to you next time. For sure. Thanks, Steve.